0: Visiting the past every day, remembering how farming shaped our state at the South Carolina Agricultural Museum, and the county looks to a future on television. All this and more on the January 27, 2016 edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. Today we talk to Anderson historian Brian Scott about his passion for Anderson's past South Carolina Agricultural Museum Director, Les McCall, about the county's statewide museum right here in Anderson County. And Anderson County Administrator, Rusty Burns, is going to talk to us a little bit about the Anderson County Television Station, which is due to launch here in the next several days. As always, the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust, is made possible by Soloms at Brookstone, Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner Thursday through Friday and lunch on Wednesdays through Sundays. That's right. You heard it right. Sunday lunch at Sullivan's at Brookstone. All the great food you love at Sullivan's you can now get on Sunday for lunch right out there at Sullivan's at Brookstone. Check them out on Facebook at Sullivan's at Brookstone or at Sullivan'sBrookstone.com online. You can see the menus there and comments and reviews are all really good. And if you're downtown, don't forget the mothership, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, one of the top restaurants in the South or anywhere else for that matter. And they just have the absolute best food. People drive from Greenville, Atlanta, Charlotte, all over. Eat at Sullivan's. is such a special place. Matter of fact, I had breakfast with their owner, Bill Nicholas, this morning. And we were chatting it up about some great plans coming for the future out there. So it's, you know, if you've got anything special planned, and I know Valentine's Day is coming up, better book you a reservation for Sullivan's downtown. It has been another great week in Anderson. Uh, I guess everybody's over the snow now. I think all the snowmen have finally melted, and January 16th is... January 2016 is just about over with, and we're now only about 11 months from Christmas again, so... It's planning time for the rest of the year for many of the area's businesses, arts groups, uh, other kind of groups that are planning festivals, upcoming shows and events. January tends to be that sort of planning period, the incubation period, and everything's going to start really picking up in February. But there are a few things going on this week. Don't anybody forget. Tomorrow, that's Friday, from 1130 to 2, you can get uh, the great soup, cornbread, dessert, and tea at Grace Episcopal Church's annual soup luncheon. If you haven't had that before, it's really terrific. Uh, You get all that for only $7. And the all the proceeds go to meals on wheels of anderson it really tell you if you haven't been by there you can call ahead information's on facebook on their facebook page but the the annual grace uh, soup and cornbread lunch is one of the one of the best things we have every year so in meals on wheels don't forget they serve more than 600 meals to our senior neighbors in need every day so this this will go to support them so we really do appreciate their efforts also on Saturday is the first of the county cleanup days, which has been planned since that big trash forum the other night. This Band the Trash event will be in the Midway community this time. And folks are asked to meet at the Hopeful Baptist Church at 10 a.m. to get their assignments and clean up gear, your gloves, vest, trash bags, and all that stuff. Hope to see you guys out there. I plan on being out there and some of my family might be with me. But if you can't make it, there is another big Band the Trash a uh, day schedule for April uh, across the county, so you can make plans for that, that time. I think it's the 16th. It is easy to see that trash is still a huge problem along our roadsides. You just see it everywhere. And if you missed our podcast a few weeks ago with our litter control folks, you might want to dial that up and check it out. They're they're doing a good job and trying to find uh, creative and, uh, and and effective ways to keep people from littering. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're interested in Anderson County history, and that's why my first guest today is Anderson County historian Brian Scott and he is certainly interested in the history of where we live. I am talking to Brian Scott and uh I guess we'll call you historian because that's what you are sure. huh? <laughs> Brian, historian and you you know you have the paperwork if anybody wants to see your card, you have right. a history history card. <laughs> um but you have been doing um, a variety of things. You've written three books that I know of. Yes. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Right. And uh, we'll talk about those more in a minute. And you've been doing, uh, you did a series of videos under the Kudzu that mm-hmm. were sort of um, like, almost like these. And this is going to be sort of an odd thing, almost like long versions of the old bicentennial minutes
1: used to be. You know,
0: yeah. They're like three, four minute
1: yeah, but, videos. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, about three minutes.
0: And those will be uh, available, uh, people will be able to see those fairly soon on the county. Yes Television station, Which will also be streamed If you don't have charter It'll also be streamed online So people will still be able To see that mm-hmm. stuff And What else are you involved in I mean you've got a lot of You wear a lot of hats Like I do
2: you got a lot of jobs Yeah Um Uh I work, bills are paid with uh, work I do at Palmetto Moonshine. Okay. So I work there. Uh, you and, test
0: the product? We should.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, we. <laughs> <laughs> product tester. Product tester. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we do tours, tastings retail, um, uh, you know, just have a lot of fun with it. You, you sell moonshine. Right. Okay. You got to love the job. You never know who you're going to get to walk in the, the door. It could be a celebrity, it could be a local, you, know, you just never know who you're going to meet. And if it's a revenue, you don't have to worry about it. Right? don't have to worry about it. Exactly. We're completely legal. I, I did walk in one day and there were three cops standing in there and had to check and make sure. And they said, yeah, we're, we're just we're just off duty. We just want to check the place <laughs> out. So I said, y'all come back anytime you want to. Um, so I do that. Uh, and then just uh, whatever history work I can get involved in. One
0: of the things I do want to mention uh, is you're doing the only... Historical tours, walking tours of Anderson.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Ryan. Yeah. the The idea came to me last, well, year before last, and um, I, I, I didn't get it off the ground. Uh, and then last spring, I thought, let's let's really get this thing moving and, and offer tours at certain times of the year. So during the spring, I'll offer tours. I'll offer some during the fall when the weather's relatively nice. I don't want to it when it's too hot or too cold because mm-hmm. people just aren't going to be out there that way. Um, the challenge to that is getting people to start walking in Anderson. Anderson's not. Right. Really, a walker-friendly city, um, so getting people used to the idea of meeting downtown and walking through downtown has been sort of a it's
0: challenge. It's not that terribly far, though. It? It's not far,
2: you know. It's really not. Um, and but but it, it's getting people used to doing something that they haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bringing the, the the skating rink downtown was great because it got people downtown that hadn't been downtown. So I'm hoping that can sort of generate some interest. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the downtown area, but the, the walking tours, yeah, that's something that I enjoy doing. And I'm what I'm probably going to do this year is is just reach out to the community on on our Facebook page and say, what areas would you like to see tours done on, um, and then do some research on what people are telling me that they're interested in.
0: And one of your other hats is you're also a chef, right?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Are, you, are you still doing cooking and catering? Um, I then? still do
2: catering, you know, periodically as jobs come up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, something that I enjoy doing. I like to cater because it's it's um, you know it, it, it's Basically having a big party is the way I look at it, and I just enjoy doing that kind of stuff.
0: And, so. I, you know, I think people have talked about your baking skills at some point.
2: Yeah, I did uh, some baking work at the farmer's market for a couple of years, right. and I uh, really enjoyed that. So cakes, pies, bread, Sorry, somebody, I told somebody I was talking to, they said, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Bob. Cakes and pies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. I was, yeah, that was. I. 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 I decided to go into food just because I was tired of what I was doing. Right. And I was sitting in a cubicle. I've been there for 13 years. Well, let's back was, up then. you. You no. got a
0: master's from Clemson. Yes. In history.
2: Mm-hmm. No, public administration.
0: Public administration. Right. Okay, and that's a lot of history. I mean, it is. And so you were in Calvin Mansion a lot of yeah Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: And um, so you did what for the next few years? Uh, graduated from Clemson in 95 with a bachelor's in history and then a master's in public administration right. a couple of years later. And then I started working for, at the time, Bell Atlantic Mobile. Uh, and then they, of course, turned into Verizon Wireless and was there for about 13 years and, and enjoyed it. It was a good company. Sure. But just sitting in that cubicle that long, I realized I could do this the rest of my life or I can get out and do something different. So I really made a list of things that I like and what can I make a living out of. Um, and cooking was at the top of the list. Haven't made a living out of it, but I enjoyed, you know, going to school and uh, <clears throat> learning skills and things that, that can help. It, it, it it's it helps to know how to cook. No matter who you are, mm-hmm. something everybody should know how to do is how to basically prepare, you know, simple meals.
0: Yes, I mean that's the point. I guess I was making. You took it pretty seriously. You actually mm-hmm. went back and trained to be a chef, not yeah. just decided I'm going to start cooking in.
2: yeah,
0: going to take a shot at that. And so, but the history stuff seems to have always been the undercurrent.
2: It always has been. It really goes back To my mom. She um, Loved history and around 82, 83 she began To get interested in her family's genealogy And uh, so she would you know, Grab me and take me to the libraries on Saturdays And Sundays. We'd sit in the South Carolina room And go over old microfilm and Documents and research family history And then we'd go to cemeteries and take pictures And you know so I really Came to love history through her work uh, when she passed away in 2001, I got all her papers and realized, okay, she has about seven or 8,000 people in her genealogy work. How far can we go with that wow. now that we have the internet and all, all the, the technologies there? And I was able to triple, you know, her her list in a matter of a year, just finding other relatives and other, other ancestors and things like that. So, um, you know hers, who I credit for all my history work that I do.
0: Now, your family's from, you said from Abbeville.
2: Originally from Abbeville, they moved up here, uh like say, around the turn of the century. Um, the, the McClellans is my mom's family, the Scotch are my dad's family, um, and uh, so they all moved up here around that same time. So you
0: grew up in Anderson? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go to school?
2: Uh, I went to uh, Oakwood, graduated from Oakwood, Christian okay. school in 88. Uh, I attended public schools prior to that. Lived in Clemson for about two years while I went to school there, and then in Greenville for about 10 years other than that of old Anderson boy.
0: Yeah, so what I tell people I've been here forever, yeah. literally. <laughs> uh, well, what got you specifically interested in the kind of, I mean, what you do is different other than, you know, because there's a million this days in history, and and right. you do it this day in history in Anderson. And, right. um, what got you interested in just specifically here? I know your family's from here and all.
2: Um, history is a huge, I've I, I always looked at history as, as just a huge story, and there's no way to wrap your head around it. So, you, just pick a piece. There's plenty in that one bite of history. And so I decided to really focus on my hometown, you know, my county. And uh, what was here. I knew basic stories about you know Whitner and electricity and then that kind of stuff, and, and I heard about Manch Jolly and the, the you know the legends of the town. But what what's the, the the real history of Anderson? Who are the people that lived here? What lives did they lead? Um, what 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 things did they do? And it started with uh, just going out to Silverbrook one day and realizing how beautiful the cemetery was, and I just started taking pictures of markers and and tombstones out there and started researching the people that were out there. Uh, You know, Maude Broadwick, the lady who died in the uh, balloon accident. You've got um, um, uh, Rose Loomis, the nun, who, who was out there, who died at the Chicola. You've got all the, the, the streets and city names going up and down the road all buried out there, you know, Bleckley or and they're all there. So researching them and what they did with the town and, and their impact on the town and really looking for what I call hidden history. It's the stuff that's been forgotten um, and, and things that people don't remember and don't know about. And that's that led me to Under the Kudzu and, and the name Under the Kudzu. It's what's what's hidden, what's what's there and what's been forgotten that we just want to bring back up again.
0: Well, where do you where do you do most of your research? Because you you find some things sometimes. I was uh, on actually on the week's podcast and just in production right now. I was talking to folks at the museum and, and things, but you find things that they don't even have stuff out there, pictures yeah. of. And where yeah. do you do your research most?
2: Of? Um, a lot of it is uh, the Library of Congress has a great uh, resource where they've scanned old newspapers, and and I've I've gone on there and the the old Anderson Intelligence your newspapers are on there uh, most of them, not, not all of them, but a good number on there. And, uh, so I, I go through those just on a regular basis and I'll just pick an article and just start looking through it and see, okay, what is of, of interest in this article? I even do that here, uh, at the library. I'll go to the South Carolina room and just go through the microphone and pick a year and just start going through all the newspapers for that year. So newspapers are a good resource for me, right. um, because it, it, it gives you a good feel for what's going on. Um, Most of the time, the information is accurate. I mean, you're going to find mistakes every now and then, but generally, it's, it's a good resource for what you're going to use. Plus, you not only read the articles, you see the advertisements. There's a huge wealth of history in the advertisements because it tells you what was popular at the time, what prices were, what people were spending money on, um, how easy goods were to purchase, and, and so you really get a good feel for the lives, you know, the daily lives of the people by looking at the ads that you see in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And
0: I know some of those spin out into what businesses were yes. here mm-hmm. people don't remember. that all right. the time. There are a lot of things people do remember from downtown. We'll get to that in a minute because mm-hmm. some of them are going away again. Yeah. Here. But um, there are a lot of uh, things that show up that, like, never heard, never, right. you know. And we've been here forever. And some of them weren't here for very long. So that, no. that's why the little ads tell you, you know, kind of like now. You see right. business pop up and it's gone in a year. Right. But uh, but a lot of the families are still here. I mean, yes. that's one thing about Anderson. And the one the one thing that uh, um, us being a little bit cloistered and refusing <laughs> the railroad and yeah. some other things did is the people stayed here pretty much. Yeah. Know? And so the folks that are still, they're related to somebody. And it's like there's still, even though we've had a lot of folks move in, there's still enough that who are your, who are your people kind of. <laughs> going on here in Anderson. Yeah, one well, of
2: my favorite things my grandmother would always ask, and my mom would always ask is, who's their last name? You know, I met a new friend at school, what's their last name? Yeah. Because they knew they could figure out who they were at that point.
0: Yeah, and that's a little bit waning, but my mm-hmm. kids think I'm nuts when I ask them that. They'll
2: say, well, okay, I so, really, what's their last <laughs> yeah, name? Yeah, what's their last name? But I, I, I parents, still do that. i still,
0: I'm still trying to put them together with, with some sort of... Uh, talking about downtown, uh, you know, obviously it was, like everywhere else, for the longest until the late 60s, I guess, the mm-hmm. hub of everything here in Anderson. Um, and now it's kind of interesting that the, for the first time the county owns all of the land from, that was the original county land, right. you know, from Murray over to, uh, uh, to McDuffie. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of interesting. That little yeah. block, the original block is back. It's back. And they're fixing to take the Bells building down. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember the Bells building as a kid. That was probably after your time. But well,
2: I, I, it's fun. I, I, I remember bits and pieces of downtown, but it was mainly Christmas.
0: Right. Uh, the parades parade We didn't
2: come downtown a whole lot. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't have a lot of memory of, of, of a lot of what was in downtown. Um so yeah I don't yeah. They used to
0: really uh have these the the great big lights and the streamers across uh-huh. Main Street and you could see them all the way up to the Miller building kind of wow the, the hills yeah. there. and they used to store all that stuff in uh, one of the, the second floor tour of the Chicola, because okay. we were just hanging up there when I was in high school. It was just mm-hmm. open. That in the California, you know, talk about dangerous and oh, yeah. <laughs> liability. You know? They didn't care, we just go. Yeah. But uh, and there was a time up. this might be something, uh, <laughs> I didn't brought Jared to make an assignment. <laughs> I wish I'd gotten more of them. I still got one somewhere, I need to find it. There was a period when they tried or, or were going to try and didn't. I never have been able to get a straight answer from even the old timers that don't remember. So maybe it's one of those things they thought about and never did. Mm-hmm. There was this giant barrel. Uh, buttons that had a great big point set on it, and it said Anderson count, Anderson, South Carolina, Christmas City, USA.
2: Okay. <laughs> so,
0: it uh, apparently never took off, never or took they off. never handed them out. Maybe that's why there was a barrel of them. <laughs> they never. But this was probably nineteen. The barrel was sitting up there in seventy, maybe seventy three, okay. somewhere in there. So, but it was up there with the reindeer and all the right. other stuff
2: that was stretched across. One of the things that I do remember from the bicentennial right. period was the the. Um, uh, fire hydrants were all painted uh, to look like different characters. There was preachers and doctors and nurses and firemen and policemen and mailmen, so they all had their, their little uniforms on. Okay. Uh, and, and I thought that was a neat way to celebrate the, the, the bicentennial that the, 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 the city or the county did. And then I was downtown one day, and I saw these plaques on about eight or nine buildings that were put on there. In 1976, as well, and they were to commemorate the uh, bicentennial. Right. Um, so, things that people did six, 30, 40 years ago, you can still see that they were trying to you know, remember it then. And I thought that was all just kind of a neat thing to well, That's an to, important to do thing. Well. Yeah.
0: And maybe that, that reminds me one of your books is on
2: historical markers. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit more about that book. Um, yeah, the, the, the book is called History Happened Here. And I started um, when my mom was taking me out. Photographing cemeteries and stuff, I started taking pictures of a lot of different things. And the first m- marker that I took a picture of was down in due west. um, and I, I thought it was just standing there at the um, entrance to one of the university centers, right across from the ARP Church. And I thought this kind of neat. I've got ancestors from the due west area, and I ever want to research the marker, or reference the marker, I have a picture of it. Um, a couple of years later, I ran across a website called the Historical Marker Database. And it's the largest online collection of historical markers. They have uh, thousands of markers from all over the world, primarily from the United States, but they're beginning to branch out um, into international areas. And I thought, there were no markers from the upstate. Let's put the D.U.S. marker up there. And that started another (laughs) rabbit trail that I ran down for years. And uh, I began to collect historical markers. The problem I ran into is there was no list of them anywhere. There was a book that had been published by the uh, Department of Archives and History down in Columbia, but it had been written in '96. So it had not been updated, and this was now 2007, 2008 that I, was, I started this project. So there was a 10-year gap in, in any new markers. So finding markers was a challenge. I basically would get a map of a county and figure out, okay, these are the cities. Let's hit the cities first, and are there any churches? And so just start you know, building out from there and, and, and finding these markers. Um, I've documented around 1,300 markers in the upstate, really all over South Carolina, but primarily in the upstate. Uh, that led me to realize we need a new book. There needs to be a, a record of these these markers. So our road history happened here. And it's basically a collection of all of the markers that are in the state um, roadside marker program, which is a specific program. Uh, they're aluminum markers that are usually rectangular or square. They have a palmetto tree, and um, you, you'll know them when you see them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're all over the state, and uh, so I... I Collected them all with the title, the inscription, who erected it, when it was erected, GPS coordinates, and address, if, if, if there is one, or like a, a crossroad location so you have a little more information there. Um, and uh, got that book published last year. And that was the first time in almost 20 years that anything like that had been published. Uh, the Department of Archives is also working on an updated book as well. Um, But I figured, you know, mine got out there first.
0: Yeah, always, always. And uh, so
2: it'll be every couple of years I'll do an update to it um, because they add about 10 or 15 markers, you know, a year. And I'm keeping a list of new markers that are added. So I'll get an update published, uh, you know, probably sometime first part of next year. And that way it'll be, you know, more of an updated version. But the book's also kind of neat because it includes the history of the marker program. Because I thought that was important for people to understand where did this program come from And to really understand the program, it's not like the state determines who erects a marker or what a marker is erected for. It's a a citizen-driven initiative. There are no state funds allocated to the program. So all the money for the markers are raised by private sources. Um, The the cost of the marker to pay for the erection to all of the the, the stuff that goes into doing a marker, the upkeep, all that is the responsibility of the group that wants to erect the marker, it's not the responsibility of, of the uh, Department of Archives. All they do is approve the text, and they'll 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 help you get it set up. But as far as the the money or anything, it's all on you or the uh, group that's you know, behind it.
0: Well, those numbers in the Upstate don't surprise me, and particularly where we are, uh, mm-hmm. the people who either are new to this area and they tend to be the ones who are most interested in the history. Right, right? They, they're friends of the museum, and all these are the ones because once you've lived there their whole lives, they're for granted. Right, but. Uh, we we have so such a rich history of of, uh, of folks who did write mm-hmm. things down. I mean, Pendleton just celebrated two hundred and twenty-five. Yeah. We did the first Founder's Day in Anderson this past December nineteenth, first time that we could find since the late eighteen hundreds anybody had done a Founder's Day, yeah. which is kind of unusual. It used to be a big deal yeah. in towns and stuff, but you know there there are part, other parts of the country, but not on the East Coast. Uh, you know, a hundred years is a long time ago here. That's nothing, right? You know, we we've got so many and people have. Taken care to document a lot of that over yes. the years too. So there is a lot of uh, you're in a good place to mm-hmm. to be interested in history. Of course, being at Clemson, you saw. Oh yeah, and you know, that's there's people there with a real passion for that too. Mm-hmm. They've done a good job with that. Um, it, it seems like a lot of work though to do that daily thing. That's.
2: It is and what I what I do with, with, with today in Anderson history is I, I, I do like weeks ahead.
0: Yeah, I understand. So
2: that. Uh, the last that's the great thing about history. Yes. <laughs> so the <laughs> last anniversary nights are the same every year. The last six months or so I've spent a lot of time going through newspapers and, and pulling articles because I, I, I really wanted to get this this project off the ground this year and uh, get it out there where folks can really start enjoying these these articles. My goal is, is to take these these days in Anderson history and eventually do a, a, a book. Mm-hmm. About Anderson, um, and I'm, I'm tentatively working with a title, um, uh, probably Anderson County: A Day in the Life, and and look at you know just all each day has a you know a little bit of history about Anderson.
0: Subtitle: I heard the news today. Oh boy!
2: Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, what what else is on your agenda for the future? We're talking about the past. What yeah, else do you want um, to
2: do I'm working on at, at least two other books. Um, Hopefully they'll come out this year. Um, I, I'm not really on a schedule with my books. I, I, I get them done when they get done. I had three last year. That wasn't the plan. It just sort of happened that way. Um, but with this one... Well, mention the other two first. Oh, sure. Yep. First we did. Um, we did uh, 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 cooking's always been, obviously, a passion of mine. And if I could take cooking and history and put it together, even better. Um, I was given a copy of the 19... 19- it was the 50th anniversary edition of the Daily Mail, a mm-hmm. big, thick newspaper. Sure. And it was in a trash bag that was going to be thrown away. Ah. So I quickly saved it and was going through it and just loving the articles, the papers, very old paper, so I was very careful with it. But one page was a full page listing of recipes. Sure. And each recipe was attached to a historical figure. Oh, okay. Now, it didn't give any biographical information or why the person liked the recipe or what the attachment was, but it was to say, you know, uh, this recipe is attached to this person. So I thought, this would make a great book. You know, let's talk about the recipe, talk about the history behind the recipe. There's a certain ingredient that's unique. And then do a biography of the individual. So that started that, that project going. Um, and uh, so that book was completed. Uh, then I had worked on a Christmas Carol project for Facebook a couple of years back. And I thought, let's, let's take that and do something with that. And uh, that turned into another book at uh, Christmas uh, called, But Do You Recall? And I got that line from the Rudolph song. And it's 25 Christmas carols, the story of 25 carols. And it's written in such a way that you read a carol a day from December 1st to December 25th. So it's sort of like like an Advent-type book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll be working on a sequel to that probably next, not this Christmas, but the following year. Because it takes a good while to get to write these books. Um, but I get a lot of ideas basically from my, from my Facebook postings. The Christmas carol books are something that I do every December. So I take those 25 short little two-paragraph posts and just blow them up right? and just add in all the detail and the backstories and things well, like that. Well, remind people where they can find your books. Um, the books uh, can be purchased a couple of different places. Um, you can purchase them online uh, through a website called lulu.com. You just go, you can type in the the, the the types of the books. You just type in my name, Brian Scott. It'll take you to my my um, author page. And all this is on your Facebook page. All this on the Facebook page as well. Um, you can also go to the library. The library has the... Um, Christmas Carol book. Uh, they also have the historical marker book. Um, the cookbook is uh, available uh, online only. Uh, it's called Hey, What's Cooking in South Carolina. Uh, you can also buy the historical marker book at the Genealogical Society. Uh, their reading room has copies of it as well. Also, Kitchen Emporium downtown in Anderson had copies of the Christmas Carol book. So, a couple of different places in town you can purchase them. Good local stuff. Yeah. And you know,
0: you mentioned that uh, the the food section on Wednesdays was a staple for newspapers for, yes. for decades, mm-hmm. and it was the biggest paper of the week other than Sunday. Right. Uh, grocery ads. Grocery ads. Yeah. But it, it, and you go, I, I found that. Uh, McDonald's Book Emporium. Mm-hmm. She knows I'm always looking for old cookbooks, and then, and there was one from like 1931, mm-hmm. and it was clipped out recipes that somebody had pasted in, oh, a, wow. in a planner that was falling apart. But it was you know almost full of these old yeah. And you find do find some odd ingredients
2: stuff oh, yes. people are eating. You're thinking oh yes, really? It's, yeah, I, I it's I, and, and and I really tried with the with the cookbook to not change the recipes. I'll find I'll
0: get my i let you okay. that if you want to take a look at it because sure. it is a lot of oddball old yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah and and I, I I I felt that the recipes are are important because they are what they are and I, I, if I had to change them it's because I just there was no contemporary reference to what they were right. describing <laughs> um but I really tried I really tried to keep it as as honest and as as right. truthful as the recipes well, were yeah, there
0: there's some uh uh, as, as we say down here, highfalutin cookbooks that do the same thing. They'll throw, throw ingredients in and it's like, now you can only buy this in right. one
2: village in India. Well, right. what am I going what to do? How am I going to yeah, yeah. get there?
0: Saffron is rather expensive <laughs> so you, <laughs> you might want to plan ahead for this one. You
2: know? and, and I did try, you know, some of the recipes um, when you make them following the exact instructions you, you kind of have to know a little bit about them. Did smoking. you make
0: those recipes?
2: I did make some of them, okay. uh, but, but half of them I did trial and test and they, they, they work pretty well as written. Uh, others, you have to know something about what it is. One of the recipes I thought was interesting um, was, was basically cream beef on biscuits, which you know everybody's in the military knows is SOS. Um, so that was also interesting how you had these old recipes that we still eat today with different names on them. The recipe told you how to make the cream beef. It didn't tell you how to make the biscuits. And it occurred to me, biscuits are something everybody knew how to make. So they're not going to put that in the recipe. They assume you know how to make it.
0: And, and, and that sort of necessity is mother invention for years. People, they didn't need recipes. You know, yeah. you, my grandmother had a cookbook. Yeah. You know, and she could, you could tell her anything. She could right. cook it,
2: you know. Well, the other thing I found interesting was, was the amount of cornmeal that was used, um, uh, not flour. Cornmeal was more prominent in the South because it was cheaper. Uh, it was mm-hmm. easier to make, easier to grow. And uh, so flour was not something that came into Southern cooking really until... The 1910 1920 time frame. A lot of the old 1800s 1700s recipes were cornmeal based. That's how they made their breads. Well, and
0: my grandparents who were born before 1900 mm-hmm. and I lived to be forever, um, they would talk about bartering for flour. You know, right. they, would, they would take you know corn or yeah. eggs or milk or beef and then mm-hmm. barter for flour. They'd go and buy these massive quantities. Yeah. Take a wagon to town and yeah. so when they did get flour, that's where they were getting it. That's right. what you are talking
2: about. And 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 cornmeal breads are much more shelf stable. Than than flour breads, there's a lot less moisture in them. So these these are things that that would they would they would cook up uh, and then would take to you know, road trips wherever they wanted to go. One of the recipes, so
0: cornbread now, you think yeah. about cornbread keeps. I mean, yeah. you
2: can- one of the recipes uh, is called red uh, red horse cakes, and it's basically cornbread with Tabasco sauce. And it was a favorite recipe of John C. Calhoun. And so I made them, and I thought once I looked at them, I realized you could take these. Not they would get hard as they sat out, yeah. but you mix them with some sauce or something else to soften them up again, or Break them up into bread, but, m- butter, or or milk. You know, yeah, all kind, that's why the, the milk, of
0: stuff. cornbread milk it's still still one around. of my dad's favorite things to eat. Yeah, yeah.
2: So you learn a lot in in, in just your cultural history when, when you start looking at at at, at the food. Uh, and so that that's what really led me to to, to do the cookbook.
0: All right, so we're, we I, I kind of sidetracked this there. We're You're talking right. about. The future project you're yes. going
2: to work on. Um, I'm working on two um, books that are dealing with Anderson's history, because that's one thing that, that I've noticed. There are a few books about Anderson's history, but there's no, there's no real linear telling of, of the town's history. Yeah,
0: I mean, if it hadn't been for Fred Whitten we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have
2: anything. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at telling the history, but I'm looking at doing it from, again, my own way. Of doing it, and that's picking a topic and telling the history through the eyes of that particular topic. So, I've got two projects I'm lined up for this year. One is to look at the lives of the, the ten men in Anderson who were colonels during the Civil War. Um, they played different roles—some larger roles, some smaller roles. Uh, one was a colonel for just a brief period of time and then disappeared. He never did any military service. So, you know, it's, they they all have their own stories, and to tell the stories of these these ten men. Uh, The other project that I'm working on is to tell the story of the four executions that took place in Anderson from the end of the Civil War up until the beginning of the 1900s. Not only to tell the story of those executions, but what was going on in Anderson at that time, because these executions really... Were windows into how events were happening in Anderson. The first one was shortly after the Civil War, so you had all the turmoil that was going on. One took place shortly after Reconstruction, uh, and so you, you had key events that were really impacting these these decisions, um, and and to tell the story of these executions in the context of Anderson's own history, uh, and and really talk about you know how the city got founded and and and, and you know what all happened with it. So those are the two projects uh, that are that are coming up, uh, okay. and then whatever else piques my interest.
0: Now, for people who have a more passing interest and in, don't have your drive and passion, mm-hmm. <laughs> and people don't realize writing is it's such a disciplined, it difficult thing to do. Everybody thinks, oh, I can write. Everybody thinks they can write. You know? Yeah, but. Uh, Places like the South Carolina Room at the library is a great uh-huh. place to start because they're very helpful. She'll yes. go in and say, hey, i want to look at things on this, and she'll help get you set up. And it's a nice, quiet place yes. back there to study. It's, it, if you haven't been to the South Carolina Room at the Anderson County Library, it, it almost is a library in itself because you go over into a different area. Right. And you're back there, and it's quieter back there. There's no traffic through there. It's a good place to. Is that a great place to start? I mean,
2: I yes, you can't get a better location there because again, they're 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 very helpful. The the newspaper records are great. Uh, They are on microfish or microfilm, um, which is a challenge. They're they're not really indexed. Right. Um, I don't think they'll ever change because that's just a technology. Yeah,
0: they, they did those right. At, matter of fact, most of that stuff, at least my understanding, and I used to spend hours researching and going down the basement of Clemson. Mm-hmm. And I got locked in the library one night doing that. <laughs> I came out, all the lights were all like, whoa, you know, <laughs> because you forget, you're down there. Right. But that stuff came along at a time. Sort of just a little too early to have a better record, yeah. and they'd already invested all the money in it, and so everything's on.
2: Yeah, and that's that. That's why it's. I mean, I've, I've talked with Mike Ellis at the Independent, and he'll say, "Well, how do you get your information?" And I say, "Well, I go to the library. How do how do you get your information for your news articles?" Right. He said, "I go to the library." Right. So they're not even indexed. So it's it's a, it's it's a it's a difficult thing to to, to do. You kind of have to know what you're looking for if you're going to use that. Well, I'm glad somebody did that
0: because what you mentioned earlier. A lot of stuff was just tossed. Yeah, I mean, even even up to modern kind of stuff. I was working a little something uh, on Stohoil who was Mister Doohickey and all right. that, and got in touch with uh, WFBC. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we don't have we threw all that uh, stuff away. We don't have any video of yeah. Monique Gris Rascals or Mister D- or Stow Hall, Weatherman. Nothing of him doing his early one of those early daytime scene at. Uh, Channel 4 things right? Sandy Woodward. Or, I mean, just none of that stuff oh, exists. Man. and it's not. We're talking about the later stuff. is like up into the early 70s. Yeah. How do you not? You know, that happened. Of course, that happened nationally. I mean, you've probably seen the stories about, you know, when Johnny Carson, yeah. one of the reasons he walked was he wanted to purchase the early stuff and NBC didn't want to sell it to him, and they the, threw it away. They threw there. it away. Yeah. So he lost all those early shows or yeah. those kinescopes. And, and really, people didn't appreciate history. That's why I think... Uh, they're, they're making this big deal now they think they've pieced together uh, enough video clips to show the whole first Super Bowl I wouldn't even there's not even a record of the first Super Bowl uh, yeah I'm gonna read that yeah that's that's amazing yeah. you think now times were different my favorite story is the first Super Bowl Elijah Pitts was in the end zone mm-hmm. lost contact they stopped the Super Bowl to look for his contact <laughs> a different era you know <laughs> Officials, people were quarreling around in the end zone looking for Elijah Pitts contact
2: lens. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why they lost all the footage. They just didn't want to show it. But,
0: I mean, yeah, and they didn't sell out. Right. But uh, my, my point is it, there was a very short-sighted view of history <laughs> yeah. for a long period of time. Uh, that, the, the, the good side is people now, it's so easy to store that we yes. going have stuff from here on. The bad side is the future generations are gonna have a much greater challenge than guys like us weeding through what's real and what's not. The right. Norm, I think it was Norm MacDonald did a great joke about it. he said, um, the comedian on if you know Norm mm-hmm. said there was like one picture of his grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, and he said he's got this grim look on his face, like, I gotta go feed the hogs, hurry up you know? <laughs> He said, now his kids will say, Hey you wanna see a hundred thousand pictures of my grandfather? <laughs>
2: well, I mean, you does the Library of Congress need to save every single Twitter. You know, it's yeah. it's there's just... Um, we have lots of stuff out there.
1: Yes? Yeah, I just want to say, this is... You asked earlier about a, a study room. Mm-hmm. So these are the conference rooms, oh. um, and which would be fine, except we've got a group who's got this one scheduled at 10. Okay, we'll be done. So okay. you're, you know, you're welcome. I'll to get us go. out of here before ten. Number three actually is open until this oh, afternoon. Great,
2: thank so you. So whatever. I
1: appreciate there.
0: that. Okay, be thank nice. you. Yeah. Oh, great, I get to go edit my audio. <laughs> you know, i just have free form. I don't like... Them. But... Uh, <laughs> I think we're getting pretty close. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's there's too much stuff. And like you're right, the the, the one thing of of our I'm not going to launch into my soapbox here, but of the um, the government keeping track of everything we do and having you know mm-hmm. all this information, you can't find it. Right. There's too much. There's, there's so much. to have stuff. every single re- uh, phone conversation recorded. Mm-hmm. There's no way to filter. There's no way to index. No way to search. Right. It's just too much, so that's right. the only thing we have working for us. But it's going to be a challenge for future historians, not only that, but vetting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, I, I've I freelanced a lot over the years, and I've, I know in years gone by, really up until maybe the early 2000s, every magazine would have at least one or two fact-checkers, some more, yeah. who would continue mm-hmm. calling you one very specific things. Now you just publish whatever. Nobody even checks it. Even some of the big nationals don't mm-hmm. even check sources, don't even check... It's mm. unfortunate because that what happens then is, and you see this, like you're saying, you know, I mean, you kind of have to weigh it. In the old days, there wasn't as much, but now you'll see somebody quote it, and it's, and it's even in Wikipedia, which I think they try.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you got a source for it and it's a published source, nobody's gone that next level deep to vet right. that source. So you can you can create really Wikipedia is, is they crack down a little bit, but I know. I proved this to a friend of mine a few years ago, back in, I think it was 06 or 07. We we're talking about Wikipedia, and they were saying, oh, no, no, that's very accurate. It's not. Right. And were, and so I created a person, <laughs> did a composite photo from Photoshop, mm-hmm. gave them a bio, put links to magazines with people with similar names or similar uh, mm-hmm. uh, initials, and it, it went up and stayed up. I right. mean, and they were saying, no way. I said, yeah, that's not anybody. I yeah. just created that, you know. I said, give me something to put on and I'll prove it to you. But I mean... It's a good thing in terms of general knowledge. If you need a quick, you know, when was Anderson County founded? Right. You go in Wikipedia; has it? It usually comes up pretty high on the list. Right. And so I'm, I'm not I'm not against Wikipedia. I think it's good. I'm just saying there's going to be a challenge in the future generations to say,
2: yeah, this really happened and this didn't. Well, one of the things that every historian has to do is is, is they have to look at you know fact A, fact B, and if there's anything missing in between, you kind of have to make a leap sometimes That's to right. connect the two facts. Uh, one, one of the examples I'll give you is one of the, the, the um, uh, executions that I'm researching, the, actually the first one. Uh, the, the young man who was executed was a, was a former house slave here in uh, the city of Anderson. Well, house slaves were generally leased out to businesses. They would learn a skill, and, and you would lease them out to the business. You would recoup the income that they would make on the business. Um, don't know if that happened to this particular person, but in the course of the court trial, a witness. Testified that he had worked with the slave uh, or, or the former slave. And so I, I, I kind of made an assumption there that this person probably had some skills. They were leased out to this individual here in town. This guy owned a business. He used this, this other person's slave as, as, as labor and then paid the owner. Um, so you have to do that sometimes with history and, and try to make an assumption or... Right. Make a bridge. You build a bridge to get two facts together. But you enjoy that? I enjoy that because that's that's sort of the challenge with it is right. is is connecting those dots. Fifteen years down the road, they're gonna have to do that because all the dots are gonna be connected with all the data that we're saving. Every picture, all every the labor
0: we've saved, the future generations are gonna have to spend trying to vet. Trying to
2: exactly, exactly.
0: So. Uh, Brian, right, if, if people,
2: the best place to find out about what you do is your Facebook page? Yeah, Facebook page, uh, you can search Brian Scott on Facebook, or you can search Under the Kudzu on Facebook. Okay. Um, both those will get to your, um, uh, the, the two projects that I that, so that's work That's use
0: it as your website. You don't have a website, yeah, yeah, I don't have a website, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. well, I appreciate you taking okay. time to do this, and we'll, uh, we'll try to work together on some stuff
2: in the future. Right? Sounds good.
0: I know we appreciate all the work that Brian does to this, this day in history in Anderson. It's very interesting. You can look at it daily in the Anderson Observer. Anderson Observer. Uh, we'll have this day in history posted every day, in it's courtesy of Brian Scott and the, the work and research he continues to do. And look forward to seeing what he comes up with in the future with his new books. Because Anderson's history is rich. Uh, our The roots of our county date back to before the Revolutionary War, as, as a lot of you know. And for most of that history, agriculture has been the engine which has driven our economic growth. Uh, Anderson County, though, a lot of people don't know, is home to the statewide museum which documents that history. The Bart Garrison Agricultural Museum of South Carolina in Pendleton is named for the late Senator T. and Juanita Garrison's son, and it is dedicated to education and preservation of South Carolina's agricultural heritage. If you haven't been up there, it's right across from Trial County Tech, just off US 76, right next to Woodburn Plantation. And it's a fun place to visit, a great place to take kids. And not only is it set up with great exhibits, many of them are hands-on, like a cow milking exhibit, corn grinding, some textile, how to you know, get seeds out of cotton. Uh, and their outside gardens uh, in, in season grow many of the historic important heritage crops from South Carolina, such as the Carolina gold rice, which a lot of people don't realize was once exported by the boatload to China. It was China's most popular rice, Carolina gold. Anyway, museum director Les McCall said that growing up on a farm nearby... And his love of local history, got history to get Clemson, just made him the the, the perfect fit for this job. I
3: am the director for the Bart Garrison Agricultural Museum of South Carolina and assistant director for Pendleton District Commission.
0: Now, how did this come to be? How did you get involved in this?
3: Well, I was hired on to the Pendleton District Commission, which is a state tourism region and also a historic preservation organization. Now, you're from the area? I am. I'm from Oconee County. Oh, okay. 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 And um, this was a closed Agricultural Museum used to be for the three counties Anderson, Oconee, and Pickens, and uh, have been shuttered for a few years. But years ago, uh, someone had submitted to the legislature to make this the state museum as a try to boost the Mm -hmm. museum's exposure. And it finally came through, just kind of at a a random point right before I was hired. So they hired me to try to do something with it, and uh, that was in uh, 2012. And so I started working on it. We opened the grand opening in June,
0: 2013. Okay.
3: So it's, it's very much a work in progress. It's, it's not something that was finished before it was opened. Right. We just basically got the first layer down and then wanted the community to get involved, um, and start, you know, kind of getting in from the ground level.
0: And what all, what kind of stuff do you have here? What all kind of stuff do you have here?
3: Well, we have a little bit of everything and it's time when it was just the Tri-County Area Museum, uh, it was open in that capacity for over 30 years, so we got anything and everything. And just through South Carolina being a small state and a lot of family connections, we ended up with a ton of stuff from the low country. We
0: got old farms days here, too. That's right. Yep. <clears throat> That's
3: right. And so we have stuff from all over the state, so it, it actually worked really well to open it as a state museum. So we've got rice culture stuff, tobacco, uh, things that were never really in the upstate that we now have, just because we collected it for years and years and years. Um I think it's
0: interesting that people forget that at one point China was buying rice from South Carolina. That's
3: right. <laughs> that's an amazing. Yep, it is. It's that's uh, good
0: rice. That gold rice is good.
3: Phenomenal, and it actually grows very well in the upcountry. Mm-hmm. It was kind of made for that, so uh, we actually grow some here on site. Now, I didn't um, know that. Yep. That's interesting. Well, we do. We do. It's very easy to grow across the state.
0: So anything had anything to do with agriculture in our history up until almost modern day, I guess, and.
3: Yeah, we actually, the approach here, I never want it to be just a history museum because mm-hmm. we, we need to have a broader um, appeal to the public and um, just, you know, be more useful, basically, as far as an education tool. And so we are past, present and future of agriculture in our state here. Now, obviously, the, the artifacts and everything kind of are for the past, but we use them to show how agriculture is going to be done in the future. I mean, just teaching the science and technology of simple machines
0: mm-hmm.
3: that were here 150 years ago. But you can see the roots of every major machine we have. To get our so, is an
0: education component? Do students, schools bring kids out here. Yes,
3: and... yeah. Our bread and butter is school field trips. Okay, that's that's what our main goal is. And then we also do programming each each month.
0: Now, what did Bart Garrison's name? Mm-hmm. I mean, what the Garrison's have to do? I think we're I'm distant, related to Juanita. I think so. Oh, okay. okay, but I'm known I'm known the Garrison's forever. So.
3: Yeah, um, it's it is a nod at the family for being just hugely um, instrumental in both South Carolina agriculture, mm-hmm. Anderson County agriculture, where we're located, mm-hmm. and the fact that T. Ed um, helped start this museum way back in the seventies. Um, Very influential representative, mm-hmm. yes, legislator. Absolutely, huge friend of agriculture,
0: and um, one of the few families I think with. You know, large-scale farming is still going on in the upstate. That's right, in a long time, and still running a farm. And
3: that's exactly right. They are well over a century farm. A program we also run for the state. Okay, and tell me, um,
0: tell me about Century Farm.
3: Sure. It uh, the most basic um, explanation is it's a program that honors farming families who have kept a farm in the family that can never have gone outside for any amount of time for a hundred years. And it may not sound like much, but that's a pretty impressive feat. Oh, <laughs>
0: do we have a lot of those in the upstate?
3: Anderson County actually has the most in the state. Really? It does. How many um, do we have?
0: Do you know what I'm talking here
3: Oh, in Anderson County alone, I know we have well over 50. Wow. Which, seeing as how the program has around 450, they, they contribute a huge part. Um, wow. We may have closer to 60. It's Anderson is a huge player in the agricultural industry.
0: Yeah, I knew it had been historically. I didn't realize we had that many century farms, though. So. Yep, we do,
3: and we're still the biggest cattle-producing um, county in the state, so it's uh, still a huge part of who we are. Well, am. I know in
0: Anderson, I live in mm-hmm. Anderson, um, Walker Farms has really grown and got back yes. into it. You know, it's been in his family. Of course, he was a doctor, but it stayed in the family, and he right. still farming some. And they're century farm as well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other programs that you guys do through
3: Uh We do um, each month of the year except December. We take December off. We do a Kids Day, which is grades three through six. We do a Story Time, which is a hands-on activity, and then storybooks Read for ages four through six, one Sunday a month. And then we have the Back to Your Roots adult education workshops that we do once a month. And what are those? Things. It is just a, it's a really exciting new program um, that is workshops from... Every aspect of agriculture, from basket making to eventually hog processing. Um, and uh, let's see, we've done backyard chickens this past fall and winter gardening. It's just a different theme each month to try to educate anyone who's interested in the community about how home agriculture can still be relevant in their lives. Um, and I mean, even, even basket making goes into that because it uses local you know, materials to actually make something of value you know, for yourself. So it's a skill. It's all about life skills and home agriculture.
0: Now, why were you interested in this? What got you interested
3: Well, um, I was uh, raised in Oconee County on my uh, portion of my grandfather's um, farm, and we've always had a few cows, horses, chickens. Um, and then when I was a teenager, and my older brother was a farm manager for a lot of farms um, over the years down in the McCormick Abbeville area, big farms. And every summer I get work with him, and so it's always been a huge part of my life. Whether working in chicken houses, which is a big part of Oconee County ag, um, to working on the big cattle farms, um, it's just a huge part of you know growing up. And I, I went to school to be a history major. Thought I was never going to get you back in school? the farm. Clemson. Clemson, Clemson. Okay. Clemson Yeah, My
0: son's up there right now. So.
3: Excellent. Proud Clemson grad, and. um Went through Clemson, it was either gonna be agriculture or history, I decided to go with history and then through a series of museum jobs, just wasn't quite what I was looking for, never realized what was missing, but it was the farming aspect and I've I've come back to it now to where I'm getting to do both. And so it's I kinda of fell into it but it's been a really exciting.
0: That's thing. Good. What's your favorite exhibit here?
1: Hmm. <laughs>
3: Well, uh it's it's a new one. My, I did have a favorite, but it, it's got trumped now because uh, we have an old uh, barn from Oakway over in Oconee County that's being moved here. Oh, okay. And we have the um, the three walls up and the main seals that are under it. And It's got 12 by 12 huge beams, hand-hued beams from the mid-1800s. Uh, just an incredible, incredible structure. When uh, will that be over here? It is slated to be completed within a few months. Um, uh-huh. We weather you know, right. permitting, that's that's going to keep us down. We've got a lot of room to expand here, right? <clears throat> we have a little. We've kind of, see, when, when I started here, there was just a building mm-hmm. full of artifacts. There was nothing out back. Right. We've now installed tons of educational gardens. We've got a new um, education pavilion out what there. What kind of
0: stuff's in the educational garden? You mentioned rice.
3: Yep, rice, and we, uh, it kind of varies. We do some modern monoculture in some patches, like some modern breeds of corn, um, some other field varieties. And then we do um, our heirloom stuff in the raised beds, so it's going to be everything from sea island peas um, to whippoorwill peas, just just a lot of different heirlooms, heirloom tomatoes. Like now, who op-sart. do y'all work
0: with on that? Master gardeners, or
3: uh, we do work with Clemson. Clemson uh, okay. have for a few years, but it's actually a Creative Inquiry through Clemson, so it's students, okay. students, and then um, a three professor team that's been out here. They've helped build the beds, um, put the soil in, cultivate everything. So they've, they've been great partners to have the last few years, and we've been working with them. And then we do pieces of it ourselves.
0: Now, can people donate heirloom seeds and stuff? No. Yes, highly encouraged. Because, Tell me about donations in general. If somebody has a piece, they think, you know, this looks pretty old. It's yeah. farm-related from around here. Well,
3: because we don't have much room left. I mean, right. we had a huge collection already. Everything we're looking for has to be unique right. to us because we have a lot of duplicates.
0: They can send you a picture, and yes, at least yes, you know yes. immediately. Well, I haven't seen that before. I'm That's okay. right.
3: They email or text me, and then um, especially if it's handmade, I almost always take it because mass-produced, we've got it. Right. We want the handmade ingenuity of the farmer type stuff because mm-hmm. that helps in what we're trying to to promote here. What's the oldest thing you've got
0: mm-hmm. um, among the oldest? You know, and it's hard to.
3: One of the oldest is we actually have. Um, here is one of the old Pendleton Village carved stone. Now this was before this was late seventeen hundreds and it used to, they used to be stationed around the village and they give a mile, how many miles were left and it's five mile marker. Oh okay. Pendleton Village. So it, it late seventeen nineties probably. Um, but as far as farm implements, we have some handmade tools from the early, early 1800s. What's the hardest? I mean,
0: handmade stuff's hardest stuff to find, is that? The-
3: it is. It is. Unfortunately, when people clean out farms bar- I and mean, intend to push them over, burn them, you know, just get rid of all the stuff, handmade rarely makes it to us, and that's why it's so. It's nice. not
0: pretty a lot of times, that's, that's right. That's right. It's, right. Yeah. it's
3: it's basic. It's utilitarian. It's not made to be beautiful or shiny, and um, but it's the best stuff. It really is the best stuff.
0: <clears throat> is there like a is there something that you really would like to have y'all don't have hmm it used to be a tractor uh, sadly we were an ag museum with no tractor
3: but now we have a line on two so um, I just thought because old farm days is here somebody
0: ought to mm-hmm. at least put you in the wheel, when they
3: yeah that's right yeah. And, we, and we help run old farm days um, and so hopefully someone will be Norman Dern still doing that yes yeah. we work with Norman and the Pendleton Historic Foundation right. it's all three of us but uh, I would like a crop duster <coughs> A small mm-hmm. crop duster. I think hanging from the ceiling, that would be a dream thing to have here. But if someone had one of those just hiding in an old barn, you know, as they tend all to be, we'd love it. That would be something else. All right.
0: It, t- if you want to encourage people to come out, come me the hours you're open, days and hours.
3: Okay. We're open Thursday and Friday, noon to 5, Saturday 10 to 3. And we, all, and we do have special events listed on the website, bgamsc.org. Say that again slow. bgamsc.org.
2: Well,
0: it's interesting because there's not a whole lot of state museums in Anderson County. I mean, it's right. right. You guys and the Tennis Hall of Fame. And that's right. Yeah, I'm not sure who else is statewide. I don't know. I that think that there. might be it as far as
3: statewide. So it's. it's and tell
0: them where you are located so people can find you. Easy to find.
3: Yes. Very easy to find. We're just a few miles off um, exit 19 on the interstate. Uh, we are on Highway 76, right across from Tri County Technical College, Pendleton campus,
0: next to another rather historical
3: landmark yep that's right um we're next to woodburn historic house as well so um right at the red light um you can find us just right off the road at um tri-county's main Well, campus. it's
0: a good i mean it's a good place to come and spend because you can he- go here and go to woodburn and you got all everything's right here that's you right. can spend a few hours everything's free yep it and, is free we'll and it's kid friendly you want kids mm-hmm. to come in you're welcome a lot of museums kind
3: of uh, we're all about the kids and everything's interactive this is not a museum where everything's behind glass. Right. It's highly interactive. You're going to get hands-on. You're going to do stuff you've never done before right. when you come here.
0: Right. Well, anything else people need to know less, or we covered it?
3: Um, I think that's about it. Just check us out online, and um, be sure to keep an eye out for those events and classes and everything. And, um, you yeah, know, like we say to everybody, come grow with us.
0: The museum is open Thursdays through Sundays, and their schedule is available online, their classes, and also at their website and on Facebook. Uh they are, as he said, available for school groups and other groups to come out, and it is a really fascinating place. And I know as the spring comes around, their their outside stuff will get going on. They have uh chickens out there and a greenhouse and rail splitting and uh, a number of raised beds for the heirloom and the historical uh crops that have grown here. Uh composting, a lot a lot of hands-on educational things as well as really interesting historical things. I hope y'all get out there and check that out. It's really fun, really interesting. Well, finally, by this time next week, Anderson County may mark another milestone, the first county cable TV station with all local programming. Uh, Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns has been pushing for this day to come for several years. He's been wanting that television station to get on, and he's really excited about the project, which will be available on charter cable, and it'll also be streamed live on the Internet, so you can watch it on your computer, your smartphone, tablet, whatever you got. Talking to Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns. We're going to talk about the county's new uh, cable television station, and I understand y'all getting ready to launch.
1: Well, we're very close. We're right. we're debugging. We have some content up now from Christmas that we're just kind of, you know, looking to see about the picture quality and things like right. that. Right. And, well, let's talk uh, a little bit about it in general. Okay, it's going to be on Charter. Well, it's going to be on Charter. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on your computer. Right. So and it's, it's going to be on, on your mobile handheld devices. Okay. And we're going to have a meeting tomorrow about getting it on Western Carolina. And we've already had contacts with Family Vision. And we will be reaching out. Those are already in the works. chance of getting them on, like, Dish and Direct. And and, and, and and we're going to try to see if we can possibly do over the air. Right, because the whole purpose behind this television station is not to compete in the news business. Right, I mean, and, and, and if anybody thinks that, and we no, we're not trying to become the propaganda machine for the county. Right, but Anderson County is a very large place, mm-hmm. and now the most current estimates we're having is the population's one hundred ninety-five thousand, which I would dispute. I think it's probably two hundred and five, mm-hmm. and because we're so large geographically, the people in Honeyapath don't know what's happening in Powdersville. Right. People in Powdersville don't know what's happening in Shedder. People in Belton don't know what's happening in Powdersville. Mm-hmm. And this is a way to try to unite the county. It's a good way to start. They need to get people in those communities talking to each other and talking to the media as well. So and they need and, and you know and this is gonna be the Anderson County Community Television. Right. And we've already invited the school districts to provide content that we will Run free, free. We've already had meetings with Clemson University and their extension service. Hey, I think it would be neat, just like in the old days of television when you had a a thing from Clemson said, "This is how you can green beans." Right, right. Things so, like that. And it's it's a
0: it's, it's a station of record. It's Anytime a, there's a meeting, we're going to try to have it on. We're going to try to have that.
1: We're going to have all the meetings on that currently aren't on. And council's going to be on live, right? And council's going to be on live. And we want to put planning commission meetings up there and, and just as many meetings as we can.
0: So it allows citizens who maybe work in or have conflicts to actually attend
1: meetings and give feedback without having to physically. Absolutely. And, and we, I just think it's going to do a lot to unify the county. And it doesn't make any difference what I think. But council thinks it's going to be a good thing. And it's not going to be political in any way, shape, or form because the first time it gets political, it's useless. I mean, it is tainted and it's useless. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope to be able to, and we've already talked to the athletic director at Anderson University briefly about possibly broadcasting Anderson University sports. I mean, that would be wonderful. We've talked to school district five about possibly putting on football games, not just them, but anybody. Mm -hmm. And we just like to really make it a community channel. And I think if you look in communities that are doing well and thriving They have this community television, and uh, I think it's going to look good, be good. We hope people bear with us in the early days because the biggest thing with television is content. Right. You're trying to feed a monster that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So pretty hopefully maybe next week we will be up. uh, We've got people scurrying around here and there doing this and that. We've already had interviews with this group and that group. We'll have your Green Pond video up there pretty quick that you did on Green Pond, and uh, you know it's a community channel. If you have something that is of interest to our community, we'll put it on. So by next Friday the fifth, it should be up. We're hoping. Okay, that's unless unless there's a bug or a gremlin somewhere. February
0: fifth. The. uh, you mentioned football and some, there's a lot of things that you know, once you get established, you can kind of grow from there. Absolutely. Are you going to take like, are, are, are local people going to sponsor? Is this going to be an entirely county based thing? Or are we going to have sponsors- we don't. We don't
1: want or- we, we don't want to take any advertising okay. in any way, but we do want to spotlight businesses. Right. And right. we've talked to the chamber of commerce and they may, they may want to spotlight some of their members. Right. And that's good. And they have the capability of shooting and editing their own thing. We'll be happy to put that up. Right. Delighted to put it up. And, uh, you know, we may have some long form where we could do like PBS, this this presentation yeah. sponsored by at the very end. Right. But we're not going to have eat at Joe's. Right. Although Joe's is a mighty fine place, we're not going to have I, that I on that. there. That.
0: Yeah, well, you're trying to keep it uh, in terms of just public service, and mm-hmm. you, you're going to taint that somewhere because, you know, if you if you do that. Yeah. Uh, so no no politics. It isn't election year, but it's going to stay away from that. It's just, it's just essentially a way to... Get all the information out that may or may not really be headline kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, I mean, because every little meeting is not headlines to, to no. everybody. But no, uh, for example, you got a meeting coming up on the the uh, the uh, detour of Martin Road that's yeah. coming up. people would have a chance to see that a couple. That's the other thing. Things, people it won't be that you miss it. You missed it. It'll be on more than once. Things. Will, yeah,
1: people have a chance to see. They'll they'll have a chance to see it, and I think whenever I go somewhere, first thing I turn on is Community Channel. And I can promise you that the first thing uh, economic development professionals do when they go to a new town, if there's a community channel, they turn it on because that way they can get a flavor of what's going on in the county, find out a few things. So this has many, many, many uses, and we probably don't know all the uses we have but it's going to be an exciting undertake, undertaking the county's embarked on. So.
0: Well, I think it might also generate some interesting county council meetings again. Well, well, I think
1: so. But, but, Greg, you know right now we may have one person that attends the county council right. meeting. One person. Right. But if uh, 500 are watching at home, yeah. that engages people in the community. And that with, engages this, them so they'll see what's going on. Right. All
0: right. Um, so that that's coming up. The other thing I wanted to catch up, quick update on, where are we at on the Bales demolition, the Bales building demolition?
1: demolition. We have a meeting... <clears throat> probably in the next day or two, determine the day that they're going to start. Because when we have that meeting, which you're welcome to come as soon as I find out, I think it would be good if we had media representatives there. But we're also going to have representatives from the town there. And we're going to invite Steve Kay since he's right next door. Absolutely. So that we will, at the Blackley Inn, so that we, you know, when we do this, we're going to have to block some streets for a while. There's going to be some inconvenience with parking. And just try to make it as seamless and, as we can. But Good we chance had, for
0: people to remember we have a parking garage downtown. That's free. Yeah, there's a
1: park garage. It's free. it's free, and it's they have room, and it's not very far from anything. No, downtown. it's not very far, and uh, so we're looking forward to that. And, and you know, I told you that whenever we got close to this, people would come out of the woodwork wanting to do something. Right. Well, they've come out of the woodwork, and we've had two two people call us, uh, one in person, one. Say, look, we'd really like to talk to you all about the possibility of a public-private partnership on that property. Uh, we need to sit down and talk, see if we well, can Well, that see seems certain. ideal
0: from my perspective. I mean, that kind of thing seems well, ideal. Well,
1: it, it would lessen the amount of money the county has to put in there to maybe nothing, but it's certainly worth exploring. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we will be exploring that because, I mean, that's what we should do is explore that. But And I hate that term, and I've used it with you before, but a signature building, but I mean, if somebody wants to come there and put a three-story uh, square office building, th- there's no interest there right. because that building right. will be more than a building.
0: And also, it, it needs, with with the people who have done things, like you mentioned, Steve K. And, and, of course, Jeff Waters and the people, uh-huh. they're trying to, to uh, you know, revigorate downtown by keeping the flavor of downtown. Yes. So the, the buildings. I mean, when they built... You know, Gotham City across from the historic courthouse that really wasn't in people's mind, but it is now.
1: Yes, it is now. That
0: reminded people
1: why we should keep that in. (laughs) So, so. Whole, those are two very exciting things going and on. And the, one uh, other
0: thing I wanted to ask you about, is any any uh, concrete plans on moving the fountain yet? Uh, we talked about that before. No.
1: Uh, now that we've started the new year, we're going to have some landscape architects come in and meet with us right. to discuss the fountain, okay. the possibility of a new fountain. We've already met with the Fraternal Order of Police because they want to do something with their monument over there, which I am firmly and council firmly supports because I don't think people see it. Right. I think it just blends in, and you don't even notice that, that memorial to law enforcement is over there. No, I don't think you do either. So we're going to uh, be talking to you about moving that to a more prominent location, along with the fountain. So you got all that going. So and Maybe. there's so much else going. I mean, what in, else am I missing, Rusty? Yeah, well, in your, in, you're you're in, super in, busy. What's going on? In your paper yesterday, you put it in, in December. We created over not we businesses created over 500 jobs, so mm-hmm. our economic. Climbing is getting good. I met with uh, Mr. David Phillips yesterday on a project. He's a very nice man. He's a realtor with Silver Star Realty, and he's about to become president of the South Carolina Realtors, which is a pretty doggone big deal. But he was talking about all the activities going on, and he was saying, he said one of the biggest problems that they're facing all over the state was building inspectors getting to the things. And he also talked about the need for inventory, in, in other words, it was a good time to be in the real estate business in Anderson County, and uh, that was refreshing to hear.
0: And our international stuff still growing. I'm, I'm, I'm. I was going to tackle this project, and I am, but it's pretty, it's more daunting than I thought. I was going to try to get a picture of every flag we talked about, and talk to all of our our businesses. I think we've got. 50-something businesses in 23 countries, something like that, internationally. I yep. think that's
1: what it was. And, and we and we had a, another German company in town yesterday, and the visit went wonderfully well. And we're hoping that they're going to locate their electronics facility here, so we're happy about that. We uh, have another German company that's very close to making a decision. Well, it's almost German and French. It's a joint venture. Well,
0: they're, they're big economies. in Yeah. So and,
1: there's lots of good stuff. And the last thing I guess is uh, we I know
0: um, moving at breakneck speed to get the industrial park up and going.
1: Where are we, we move, at on that? We're moving at breakneck speed. They have sent us the plans, and we're doing some tweaking on the plans and uh, talking about. Those it are the different. ones I showed at the yeah. Basically, that is the that economic development. So there's basically what it is, but with little tweaking. Okay. We've all, all already had a private. Investor come up there and said, "Look, oh, we'd like to buy a lot in, in that park up there." And we said, "Good, because as you know, we don't like to be in the real estate <laughs> right. business. We want to be landlords. We want to be yeah. landlords. You want to buy that? Good. and put up a building, you should go ahead and do that. Absolutely. So it's just, it's just a lot. The going
0: current, on. the current plan that they've given you with the tweaks. Any, any estimate on what that's going to cost? Oh, we
1: know. That purchase land is going to be $4 million, which land. we're going to do without a tax increase. Right. And fully build out, depending on how we fully build out, it could cost up to 8 or $9 million. But it could happen like Wexler, that before we even get tuned up, somebody comes in there and buys half of it or part of it or a good section of it. So, And, again, you know, people
0: need to understand when you say it costs $89 million, that's not,
1: hey, we've got to come up with that. That is coming from a variety of sources, not... A variety of wonderful Anderson County partners like Duke Energy, Piedmont Natural right. Gas, Tri-County Tech.
0: Uh, not taxpayers, though. No. You know, this is uh, grants
1: Duke, and... Duke's Foundation, Advance SC, is going to put $200,000 towards the infrastructure. Now, everybody everybody realizes it's a good idea. Everybody wants to contribute. Everybody wants to create more jobs. And like uh, Burris uh, said in the paper, which is the absolute gospel truth, Wexler is not even built yet. Nobody's working at Wexler. Right. Nobody's working at TTI right now. They're still building right. it. I mean, all of these are jobs to come. Right. Jobs to come, and we're going to continue to add to that. So we're just... Suddenly, we're going to have to have people driving in from other places to work. Well, we've got to put everybody here to work first. Right. And the key thing is to make sure that they're trained. Train, 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 train.
0: All right, Rusty, we're caught up now, I guess. Uh, I'll be back in touch with you pretty quick, and I know when the demolition starts, there's going to be yard birds everywhere. So.
1: Oh, we've had a, a private uh, individuals everybody wants to know. Let me know when it's going to happen. Right, Let right, me know when it's going to happen.
0: historic things, because sometimes we lose stuff and nobody videos. And I think about when Anderson University took down their the iconic tower over there, it was just gone. There's no
1: oh. good video e- rec- evidence well, of that at all. Nobody. Well, t- this won't be done under the cover of darkness. No, no, I believe we're going to have lots of film. You know Carl Compton. Yeah. I'm sure Carl will be there to take continue his documentation wow. of everything. Again, and yeah, Anderson.
0: longtime Anderson photography family. Yeah. Absolutely. If Rusty Burns is not the hardest working man in Anderson County, I'm not sure who he is. His phone continued to ring every time I interview him. He, if he forgets to put it on silent, it rings constantly while we're trying to do an interview. But do appreciate Rusty taking time out to tell us about this station. I think the TV channel is going to offer a good way to watch live county council meetings. That's one thing a lot of people can't maybe can't get out or. Just don't, but they'll be able to watch it live and be more active in government. Uh, they can stay up to date on other stories about Anderson County and the people who make those stories happen, which sometimes are maybe not the kind of things they're going to get covered on the news on a day-to-day basis, but uh, that's that's going to be an interesting thing to see how it develops and hopefully it can get over the air and maybe even on satellite and stuff as it grows and they add content. And next week, uh, we hope to have more news on that demolition of the Bales uh, Woolworth Building and an update on the progress of the industrial park as well. I know I'm getting ready to uh, to uh, do some work on checking that stuff out, so I'll let you all know what I find out. But that's all for this week's podcast on the Anderson Observer Podcast, news from people you trust. I hope to see some of you out at the community trash cleanup on Saturday. And don't forget, I hope to see you also up there getting some soup at Grace Episcopal Church from 11:30 to 2 on Friday it's a benefit for meals on wheels again soup, cornbread, dessert and tea $7 great lunch packet to go you don't have to go stay there and eat but we'll be back next week with a new Anderson Observer podcast news from people you trust but until then get out and do something to make Anderson a better place